travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Some people are drawn to the macabre. Others make a life of it. Such fascinations cross cultures, but they're rarely the same in any given destination. There's a long history of various religions and spiritual beliefs across Asia, along with many cultures believing in ghosts and spirits, which can lend themselves to some spooky sights that tourists sometimes seek out. On this episode, we're going to share some of the region's scary and out-there spots you can visit. Turn out the lights, as this one's bound to give you the heebie-jeebies. This is Trevor Ranges, recording in Siem Reap, Cambodia, and joining me from Bangkok, Thailand, Scott Coates. How's it going, Scott? Good, Trevor. Very good. It was an unexpectedly cool morning here in late February when we're recording, and uh, yeah, I'm doing well, and... You know, we seem to say this on every episode, but we didn't think there was maybe legs. We, I think, got talking about the Forensics Museum in Thailand on one of your visits maybe a month or so ago. And we were talking about how they used to have sort of the preserved body of a presumed serial killer and and things. And then we just started talking about other macabre tourist attractions and so forth. And all of a sudden we thought, hey, we have an episode here. Yeah, I had some uh, some people came into my bar recently, and uh, they had mentioned the Forensics Museum, and, and you and I had talked about it, and then uh, I had some other people come in the bar, and they had gone to Kota Kinabalu, and, and there's a creepy site there, and uh, yeah, it sort of turned into an idea for a show, and uh, it's kind of interesting, because some of these places you've been to, some that I've been to, and then others is just like, uh, you know, you look things up, and you learn some new stuff in the process of putting together a show so it's kind of interesting yeah indeed and one neat aspect to this i think is i mean ghosts and spirits are believed globally but i have found that i think it's a little more pervasive in asia people definitely have faith in the spirit world and believe in it more so than the west i think so that pretty much every country in asia when we were researching had those sites and stories and look forward to sharing a few of them but just before we get into it those of you that are listening you know trevor and i love travel and we do all this out of the kindness of our heart but we get some financial support from lovely people called patrons and they donate as little as a couple dollars a month upwards to 10 20 30 dollars a month they get a warm fuzzy feeling inside but also they get a special video or episode in between all the regular episodes so if you'd like to be part of that click donate on our website or go to patreon.com and search talk travel asia and a shout out to wiley d and sean l who are patrons thank you so much and they recently watched a video that i put together of cycling up to chit beer on Kokret, north of bangkok so make sure you start getting those things All right. So since uh, the Forensics Museum was kind of the place that kicked off the whole episode, why don't we start there? And since I believe you have visited the site, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, I ended up going probably four or five years ago with my parents. They'd been here 15 times or something. So we were looking for things that they'd never done. And it's at the Sirirat Medical uh, Museum. So it's inside Sirirat Hospital, kind of 
across and just upriver a little bit from Bangkok's Grand Palace. And I think it started to actually as a real actual medical science museum. But then over time, they ended up with all these kind of fetuses at different stages of development and deformed ones in, in bottles, other macabre things. But the, the real showcase, which has now actually been removed from the museum, and I'm going to see his name wrong, was the preserved body of a guy named Si Gui, who was supposedly had molested and murdered some children. And he was, uh, I believe, executed by firing squad in 1959 at age 32. And so they'd had this preserved corpse to teach medical students, but then it was standing upright when I was there. Sort of had a brownish color, but the, the worst part was there was a pan it was standing in, and there was this fluid of drippings mm. in the pan. Otherwise, I mean, it, it, it's not incredible, but if you've been to Thailand a few times and are looking for something kind of neat, you can take the Chao Phraya Express boat, you get off at Pier N10 right at Siri Rat Hospital, and you sort of, you know, walk inland and then over to the right. And you just kind of keep walking to the right for quite a while to almost the end of the hospital, and then you'll start to see little signs that take you in there. So I, I remember being reasonably priced probably good for about an hour or so. And it, and it is a bit macabre. Like it's a bit of a weird, different thing. Again, I'd say probably on your third trip to <laughs> Thailand or so. Isn't, isn't that the one though? I thought where they had like the sliced up body. I, I remember seeing something where they took a body and they sliced it into like slides that were put between yes. pieces of glass. And you can see all the like the, yeah, is that there? You're right. I believe that was there. It's, you know, it's been long enough now. I'm not remembering all of it clear, but I I'm, think you are right. Yeah, there is a body sliced up in fine little pieces, and, and that's equally weird, too. So it's got just all kinds of weird stuff, man, but it was, it was good. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting one. This next one's a little bit different. Uh, I lived uh, on, like, Upper Sukhumvit uh, for a number of years in Bangkok, and one of the, the most famous ghost stories, I think, of, of all Thailand is, is located up there, and that's the, the shrine of Maynak Prahanakorn. And, uh, and I'm sure that you're familiar with the Maynak. Yeah, I'm familiar with it, and I've cycled by it years ago but i didn't really know what it was at that time but it's a very famous thing and there's been like a bajillion movies and books right yeah you know it. that's it too they're like well, let, i'll tell the story first and then we'll talk about the movies because it seems like this is like certainly the ghost story that has had the most movies and books written and and, and made about it so the story is about a young woman named knock who lived on the banks of uh, the pranakon canal and she had a husband whom she loved named mock and uh, when Nak was pregnant, mm -hmm. Mak was constricted into the Thai army and sent to war where he was seriously wounded. While he was recovering from okay. his injuries, Nak, uh, she was pregnant and she died in childbirth uh, and both her child and she died. Um, but when Mak returned home, he didn't know that she had died and he found his wife and child waiting for him. Um, so when his neighbors warned him that he was living with a ghost, he didn't believe it. So one day when Nak was, was, was making food, she dropped a lime off the porch. And in, in her haste to retrieve it, she stretched her arm to an impossible length. And Mak saw her do it, realized that she was a ghost, and then that night snuck out of the house to, to get away, but with Nak in pursuit. Um, so according to Thai folklore... Ghosts are afraid of sticky blumea leaves. And so Mach hid behind such a bush um, and then went and hid inside of a temple, um, which was holy ground that, that 
the ghost couldn't enter. Um, and, and because Nock couldn't follow her husband, uh, she was so aggrieved that she decided to terrorize the people of Prakanong uh, and furious at them for, for being the ones who told Mock that she was a ghost. So she blamed them. Um, so then she became this powerful ghost uh, that the people of Prakanong had to get an exorcist to capture. Uh, she was confined into an earthen jar and thrown into the Prakanong Canal. So there's different variations of the stories. Uh, in some, the jar is found uh, by fishermen. Um, in both cases, Nock is freed when the jar is open. And you'll see different versions and variations of uh -huh. this in the different movies and stories that have been made. Um, but, but there's a shrine to her in the Prakanong uh, area. And people go there probably to ask for uh, lottery numbers because that's what people always do at these superstitious shrines. Um, but it's easy enough <laughs> right. to visit the temple. Yeah. And, and there's plenty of movies, like I said, that you, that you could watch to, to learn about it. Yeah. And it's, it's quite a weird thing in that she's this very scary sounding ghost, but people go to the shrine and offer items and offer prayer and for good luck and that. So while she's this terrible creature, people also do go and pay homage. And it's, again, if you've been to Bangkok a couple times, that's worth going out there. You can actually take a little boat from just off Sukhum Rit Road up Prakanong Canal. And there's lots of little things to eat out that way. And it is quite a little beautiful area. So yeah, I think that's a, a good one. Certainly famous. And we have links on our show notes to certain movies about her and whatnot. But she's arguably maybe Thailand's most famous ghost yeah you not for say? sure just again just because of the movies there's even like a cartoon movie about it uh, that's she's a bit friendlier this next one is timely in a few respects is greg and ed our friends at the bangkok podcast recently had justin dunn on and he is kind of the bar and restaurant man across thailand certainly but parts of southeast asia but he also has a company called bangkok haunt and he does ghost tours and i met justin just two weeks ago for a coffee and he and i sat and chatted about a variety of things but he you know does this as a little side business and you have to book it as a private tour and he has had a long fascination with thai spirit houses and actually it's fun to follow him on twitter because he posts sunday spirit house he calls it one each sunday but they will take you to all kinds of places in around across bangkok from amulet markets to you know, old hotels and shopping centers and so forth. And they walk you through Menak uh, Prakanong, like we talked about, but a whole bunch of other places on, on quite a neat sounding trip. Now, the caveat here is it's very long. It's nine hours. And he says, you know, I've, I've thought about shortening it, but I want to make sure people get their value. So if you've got nine hours and you want to go on Justin Dunn's Bangkok Haunt Ghost Tours, I think that's a, a pretty interesting option as well. And he's, it's all a passion project. Yeah. Again, like there's so many ghost stories. I remember one time at the TCDC, a bunch of art students had recreated uh, what some of these ghosts look like because they're fantastical. They're not just, you know, floating sheets like the ghosts we have in, in the West are depicted. So uh, yeah, there's some really right. interesting ghosts and uh, every Thai person has seen a ghost and has a ghost story. Um, so definitely I bet, uh, sure I bet do. this ghost tour is pretty cool. And again, we'll have a link to it on the show notes so that, that people can uh, check it out. Yeah, and he's a solid guy. So we've done all Thai-based ones. I think we're going to go over to the country you're in next. Is yeah, that right? and again, like, I don't know, like, ghosts are spooky, but I don't know that they're necessarily scary. Over here in Cambodia, we have a bit more real-life frightening kind of gruesome locations. And, and the biggest attractions yeah. of those are, are the killing fields. 
uh, particularly Chungek Genocide Museum and S21 prison in Phnom Penh. There were many killing fields uh, where the Khmer Rouge executed people during the Khmer Civil War in the 1970s and 80s. Um, but the one that's the Genocide Museum in just outside of Phnom Penh is, is probably the most popular. And this is something that, like, you know, some people, they, they don't necessarily think they want to go and see it. But, uh, I mean, it, it is something that's important to Cambodian history. And in order to understand Cambodia well, I think, like, along with Angkor Wat, like, going to, to some of these museums um, is just gives you, like, a well-rounded uh, experience here in Cambodia. So Chung Ek is the site of a former orchard and mass grave of victims uh, of the war about 17 kilometers south of Phnom Penh. In the mass graves, they found uh, 8,895 bodies discovered there after the fall of the Khmer Rouge <laughs> regime. Uh, today, it is a memorial marked by a Buddhist stupa that has acrylic glass sides and is filled with more than 5,000 human skulls. Uh, more disturbing are the human remains. Uh, when you walk around, they still have open pits that they left generally undisturbed. And when you're walking around, there's shards of bone, like on the trail where you're walking, which is just horrific, you know? Yeah, it's pretty. Um, but again, the site is a museum. It's dedicated to the memory of those killed and as a reminder of the horrors of war. It, it's, it's a difficult place to visit. Um, but again, like, you know, like they have a, a tree where, they murdered children and, and they just, they, they smashed, they, they held their legs and like smashed their heads against the tree to save bullets. Um, there, there's a site like that in Batambang, yeah. uh, Phnom Sampo, and they have a killing caves there and it's similar. Mm -hmm. They just, by throwing people down into the caves, they would die from the fall or break their limbs and then starve to death. And, and the idea was simply, not to, to waste bullets when they were executing people. Um, at Phnom Sampo and, and Batambang, as at Chung Ek, uh, the bones of the victims are on display in a glass memorial, um, you know, to, to remind people and to, to honor the, the, those victims who died. Um, lots of people go to Phnom Sampo because it's where there's thousands of bats uh, come out of these caves every sunset. Lots of people go there to see the bats, completely unaware of the, the gruesome history of the caves in which the bats reside. But, hmm. um, you know, these places are around Cambodia. And uh, if, if you go to the Chung Ek, which is a genocide museum, um, there's like a guided tour you could do with a with a headset and you can learn about about the war and the atrocities and as difficult as it is uh, following it up with a, a visit to Tolslang, uh, which is the the, the school it yeah. used to be a, a school that that was converted into a, a prison for for torturing and getting people to confess before they were executed, um, which is in Phnom Penh city. Uh, it, it's also a very difficult place to, to visit. They have photos of all of the people who were tortured and executed afterward. Um, if you do them together in the same day, you can kind of like blunt the, the shock of, of one or the other, I guess. But uh, it, it's, it's a difficult thing to experience, but in, in some ways it's kind of important to do. I think it's beyond important. And I've been to a, kind of the killing fields everyone knows outside of Phnom Penh. I feel like twice, and I've been to Tulslang, I think twice as well. And it is, yeah, beyond disturbing. I would almost say do them both in the same yeah. day because it, it really leaves you 
somber and shaken as it should and it will. So doing them both the same day. The other side is I think it's worth seeing I've probably because like a Holocaust museum, which I've never been to in, in America or, you know, go to the concentration camps in Europe and whatnot is to force yourself to see the depths that humanity can slip to and, and ultimately know under certain conditions what probably any of us can become capable of. So while extremely disturbing, I think it's it to not is to kind of ignore that. And we all learn a lesson by going to see those things. You mentioned the photos they took of everyone. So the, the KR was meticulous about documenting these things. And as everyone came in, they made them put their chin on like a little balance to have them at a proper angle and took a, a straight on photo of everyone. And the look in everyone's eyes to me was the one thing I never forget about going there is because I think everyone kind of knew that people don't come out of there and there's just all kinds of different levels of expression. And yeah, so that's a pretty crazy one. On just a slightly lighter note is I, I did read a book called Thai Stick, which is generally fun about smuggling Thai Stick marijuana in the 70s from Thailand to America. And in the book, a couple guys, I believe it's two, are going through the Gulf of Thailand past Cambodia and the KR get them and bring them to S21 and they died in S21 as well. So yeah, it's one of those I think you have to do, but man, there's few sites uh, more dark and gruesome than that. Yeah, even just like you talk about seeing the photos, one of the, and I've been there, God, at 10 times maybe just because working in tourism, I went with groups sometimes. And uh, I think one of the hardest things is when like you see Cambodian people going through there especially if it's like some older cambodian people that survived the war and 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 you wonder whether or not they're looking for people that they knew and uh yeah it's 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 tough Mm. yeah and that's another thing when i'm there i always think anyone i'm 49 born in 73 so anyone kind of my age would have some sort of memory of this all going down and that really freaks me out so Look, uh, there's all kinds of killing fields across uh, Cambodia. You've named a couple. Definitely a dark site. We're going to go to Japan for the next one. And I think this, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it's called Aokigahara Forest. And people have probably heard of this as the suicide forest. It's one of the world's most popular places actually to commit suicide or die there. And apparently this rise in suicides has been rumored to actually taint the trees with paranormal energy that kind of permeates through the entire forest but this is a really vast forest right and visitors may not actually encounter anyone during their visit but volunteers actually go there to clean and comb the woods and find corpses that are on the sites and they figure that over 100 people take their life every year in this forest right and beyond that what makes it creepy is that it's you know the backstory on this at first yurai or japanese ghosts claim that okigahara was presumed to be a vengeful spirit of the old who'd been abandoned to starvation and the mercy of elements so i mean suicide in general is, is quite high in japan i think maybe the highest of any developed nation for sure and the fact that people seek out this forest um, and japanese also have quite a, a an attachment to the outdoors so i think this is why maybe they go there but that's a place i've never been i'm, I'm not sure if i'd have the guts to go walking yeah, through. Yeah, I don't you? even know why you would. I mean, if a hundred people, let's say, take their life there every year, so one every three days. So, like, why would you, you go there because you're hoping yeah. to come across someone who's just killed themselves? That sounds horrible. I mean, maybe if you want to go there to try and give somebody a hug and convince them not to do it, then like, yeah, maybe that's that's an idea. But uh, 
Yeah, it's weird, and and it's it's on these lists. Like you know, I I I knew of it, of course, but uh, when we were doing research for the show notes, like this is the one that comes up, and like this one's just kind of weird that it would even be like a tourist destination at all. Like that's kind of the the most gruesome thing to me. Yeah, I think it's up there with. Yeah, I mean, why would you? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you hoping to stumble upon a dead body? Yeah. Like, I know that Chernobyl's another dark site, but like you're not going to encounter dead bodies there. But this one's a bit odd. I, I don't think I would. Yeah, like you're not going to learn much unless it was like spectacularly beautiful. Like, okay, so the next one, if you don't mind me moving on, like this one is like, all right, it's it's a little yeah, bit more interesting because all right, so the next one is on the Indonesian island of Bali, and it's a uh, Trunyan village, mm-hmm. and I've been very near to the Trunyan village, but I actually haven't been to the village, and the reason I didn't do it was because I was by myself. And you need to take a boat to get there. And I didn't want to spend the money on the boat just to go out to the Trunyan village. Uh, just because, like, I don't have that much interest in, in the reason why it's particularly macabre or on the list of, of macabre places to visit. Um, but the Trunyanese are uh, one of several small communities of the oldest inhabitants of the island of Bali. Um, so they've been living there for mm-hmm. thousands of years, even before the Balinese who live on most of the island even came to the island of Bali. So they're known as the Bali Aga or the old Bali who predate the Hindu inhabitants. Um, the Trunyanese village uh, that, that I was near is on uh, Lake Batur, which is inside the volcanic crater of Mount Batur. So Gunung Batur is one of the big okay. volcanoes on, on Bali. It's still an active volcano. And, and there's this beautiful lake way down inside the crater. And Lake Batur is, is great. It's beautiful. It's really an interesting place to go. Swimming in the lake is spectacular. Um, it's a little bit scary swimming inside of a lake that's an active volcano that can and does erupt some from time to time, you know? So, so that's, that's kind yeah. of a scary destination in and of itself, you know, but if you, if you, uh, and there's some great hiking and mountain biking all around the, the volcano, even in like inside and around the caldera. Uh, but if you, if you ride all the way out, uh, the east side, it's this really cool little winding road and there's really cool little villages all along the way. And then eventually the road just comes to an end. And that's where you need to get to a boat because the Trunyanese live like on an isolated village, like, that you can't get to otherwise. Okay. Um, and now these, these Trinidadian people, mm-hmm. the Baliaga, what, what makes this site interesting for our lists purposes is that unlike the Balinese who cremate, uh, their deceased, uh, the, the don't, um, what they practice is leaving their deceased in the open. They have a huge ceremony for the person who died. They do a purification custom, and then the dead body is put in a bamboo coffin underneath a tree called the Taru Menyan tree. And the tree is known as the nice-smelling tree. And apparently the tree has such a pungent odor Mm. that it masks the smell of the decomposing body. So the body decomposes out in the elements, the tree masks the smell, and once the body is fully decomposed, then I suppose they inter it. But I, you know, apparently like you may or may not visit while there's a decomposing person there. Um, but again, like that didn't seem like an interesting enough reason for me to pay for the boat to get out there. Yeah. That sounds a bit 
creepy. And I know we've got a few in Indonesia on this list. It just made me think of also in Sulawesi, where some villages keep their deceased family members for up to years in their house. So I hadn't heard of that Bali one, but that's a pretty funky one. I'm going to cover two in Ho Chi Minh City, or two in Vietnam. First one is in Hanoi, and the second one is in Ho Chi Minh. Pretty well-known sites. And, you know, I think they deserve to be on the creepy. The first one is Ho Chi Minh's mausoleum, right? So this is the tradition of Lenin and Stalin and Mao. So they have Ho Chi Minh's body preserved and you can go to this mausoleum and walk through sort of in a line. It's set deep in the bowels uh, of a kind of a, you know, a very austere, dark gray square type building. He's in a glass sarcophagus. And yeah, he is pale. He's dressed very finely. And he's there on display most of the year, except generally 4th of September to 4th of November, when they actually take his body to Russia to for maintenance to ensure that he still I guess looks good. So on your part, if you're going to go, uh, you can't wear shorts, sleeveless t-shirts or hats, and uh, you have to store your day pack, no cameras, there's no talking or putting your hands in your pockets, no photography. So you just sort of snake through this line and you kind of slowly walk by Uncle Ho's body at, at a steady pace and 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 have, have a look at it, right? And you'll see guards outside the museum, which are kind of the equivalent of like the Buckingham Palace guards, but in Vietnam. So it's just kind of odd to be able to see a body my second one in Vietnam is in Ho Chi Minh City, the War Remnants Museum. Now, this is a museum about uh, what Westerners know as the Vietnam War. They call it the American War. And I think it's kind of creepy, again, kind of like seeing what humanity can stoop to. And it's all presented on the things the Americans did. But I'm sure the North Vietnamese did very similar things. But to see some of the booby traps, like they would dig pits with sharp bamboo under them that were covered in excrement to cause infection, or you'd fall and slip through like kind of bamboo wheels that would shred you to piece. Um, but the one that really got me is there's a photo of some US troops holding just the head of a Vietnamese soldier. They obviously removed his head from his body, holding him by the hair, and they're all smiling. And it just made me realize again, like, wow, what war can reduce humans to, to think like that's in that moment, that was a good photo to take and be happy about taking it. So I think, again, it's something we should all kind of see to remind ourselves of, of what we're capable of. You've been there, right? Yeah. You know, I, I did, uh, I have been to the war museum in Ho Chi Minh city. Uh, I think there was a couple, there's a couple of different war museums there, but the one that you're referring to, certainly I mm -hmm. remember that there was a lot of really horrific, uh, not just photos, but like, a, like a, a fetus of a child who had died because his mother was exposed to agent orange and, and, and it disfigured the baby who couldn't survive. And, and that like, it was, and, That's and it was right. a lot of this stuff was intentional. It's like intentionally gruesome. Like they, like it's intentional to show how yeah. horrible, like what, what America did in Vietnam, you know, like it was like, look at what, occurred here you know like like and it is disturbing and again it's it's made to be disturbing and, and uh and it makes you uncomfortable but again that was the point so so i think you know and and much the way that like visiting the killing fields in cambodia like it's something that you should do just to like learn some history and and uh gain some perspective on on human nature um but backing up a little bit to to ho chi minh's Absolutely. mausoleum uh, in Hanoi. Yeah. Every, you know, every time I went, it was always, he was on vacation in Russia, you know? So I, I never got a chance to, <laughs> to see Ho Chi Minh. And I know it's a little farther on our list, but, uh, 
Mao Zedong, he's also uh, embalmed in a similar way that uh, Ho Chi Minh is. And That's so, right. like, when I was in Beijing, and, and to see Mao, you got to wait in line for, like, hours, you know, right? And uh, and, and I, I sort of didn't go see Mao because I, I hadn't seen Ho Chi Minh. And I feel like, like if you're, like, and so maybe I won't see Stalin. Or maybe I'll see Stalin if I ever make it to, where's Stalin? Or Lenin. They're, they're in, uh, maybe Lenin's in St. Petersburg. Leningrad, maybe? St. Petersburg, maybe. But I feel like, I, I feel know. like you want to, like, collect them all. Like, you should go and visit them all if you're going to do it. But uh, since since I didn't get to see Ho Chi Minh, like I, I didn't get to go see Mao either. You want to you talk about your visit to Mao now while we're on it? You know, it, it's almost the exact same as, as the, the Uncle Ho one is. Yeah, same thing, kind of entombed, very stately looking building, big lines, high security, all that. And you, and you walk past a, a man dressed in his classic Mao kind of suit outfit that you know and you just sort of look at him as you go by so yeah very similar but i guess i have both of those so uh if i'm ever find myself back in russia maybe i should try and see one of those other people but uh yeah i've been to the stalin museum in georgia strangely and it's so weird that they have this museum kind of celebrating stalin but also not celebrating but at the end of the museum you can also buy like stalin t-shirts and stuff and that was kind of weird not included in our official show notes but it just reminded me of that so okay where are we off to next next stop is malaysian borneo again this is one that came up in one of my conversations Mm -hmm. with some uh, people who came into the bar they had no idea that it was there they were talking about kota kinabalu and uh mount kinabalu which is in sabah in in malaysia um, when mm-hmm. I went though, I heard about the headhunter village and I think calling it the headhunter village is a little bit of a misnomer. And I think they sort of did it in order to like attract tourists a little bit, not to say that there aren't heads there, but, uh, it's more of a cultural village for a, an indigenous group of people called the Monsopiad. It's the Monsopiad cultural village just outside Kota Kinabalu okay. on the, uh, island of Borneo. Right. Um, it first opened to visitors in 1996, mm. and the cultural village was created to commemorate the great Kadazan warrior, Monsopiad. Oh, there we go. Okay, so Monsopiad was the name of the warrior, and Kadazan is the name of the, the, the people of this village. So these people built this village. Um, they recreated their traditional houses, and it's built on the historical site where Monsopiad, the famous warrior, lived two centuries ago. So the people who run the museum here are the direct descendants of Monsopiad, and they built the village to honor their forefathers and showcase their culture and eth- ethnicity, including the practice of collecting the skulls of fallen enemies as trophies. So they have, uh, they have like, you know, like traditional houses. They make some traditional rice wine that you can try. They have like a, a blow gun that you like that they used to hunt with that you can like try out a blow gun. And, and then of course they have the, the star okay. attraction, which is the house of skulls, which had 42 trophies of, uh, Monsopiat, though he killed 42 people in battle and the 42 heads of the enemies that he vanquished are hanging from the ceiling of the house of skulls. So while somewhat gruesome, Hmm. it it wasn't 
that disturbing to me. And uh, like it kind of reminded me of the Bishop Museum in Hawaii, um, where they have some of the trophies of Hawaiian warriors on display. And uh, just ha- hanging people's okay. heads didn't seem as disturbing as some of the things the Hawaiians did to to their uh, fallen uh, enemies. So I think calling it the Head Hunter Village is is a bit extreme. Um, they are trophy skulls. Uh, the village is pretty cool. Um, all of Borneo is pretty cool. So like, uh, I definitely recommend a, a visit to Sabah. Um, and this is one of the things you could do. So it's kind of creepy having all these skulls hanging from the ceiling, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's good. Sure. <laughs> That's a funky one. I've, I've never been there. Uh, this next one I haven't actually been to, but I got really, really close to it just last week while I was in Singapore, I was there visiting my wife's family and we cycled along the really great bike path out uh, around uh, Chengi Airport. And this one is the old Chengi Hospital. And while I was in Singapore, I went to Fort Canning and inside the hill is what they call the battle box. And it's where the British used to command their troops and their armies in Singapore. And in 1942, 15th of February, the British surrendered to the Japanese, and the Japanese then kind of ruled Singapore until 1945, and they used Singapore's old Chengi Hospital out in the east of the country, um, a place that actually operated from 1935 to 1997 um, for soldiers, for other prisoners of war, and, and so forth. So people consider it sort of one of the most haunted places in the country, and they figure that it teems with ghosts of former patients, victims of the Japanese occupation, uh, when it was actually a military hospital. But there's also rumor that there's underground bunkers that run beneath the hospital, which kind of adds to this spookiness. And although it's close to the public, people do find their ways in somehow and sometimes leave spray-painted symbols on the walls, show they were there, and some people feel are satanic. And when I actually brought this up to my wife's family uh, last week when we were polishing up these show notes, they all sort of looked at me immediately and went, oh, yeah, 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 there's tons of ghosts there everyone knows there's ghosts and they had no idea why anybody would even want to get anywhere near it (laughs) yeah again like most normal people would be like why would you want to go to some place where there's satanic symbols and uh the tortured Mm. souls and stuff like that but uh yeah some people are interested in these things right i think you have one more this next one's a little bit uh i guess it would be weird too. again, like for most people, like why would you want to go to such a place? Um, but this one's in India and it's the Karni Mata temple okay. in Rajasthan. And it's, uh, miraculously, okay. miraculously vernacularly. Is that the right word? I don't know. It's, it's known as the rat temple. <laughs> okay. So the Karni Mata temple is a Ooh. holy shrine dedicated to the goddess Karni. Okay. And uh, I've checked this out on YouTube. Okay. And for the most part, it is just a, a, a normal looking shrine. There's people walking around and they go there to honor the goddess Karni. Um, but in addition to that, there's 20,000 estimated black rats running around uh, that are worshipped there. Uh, many by there, there's huge saucers of milk that they like, give out so that the rats have something to, to drink. Um, and people believe that the, the rats are part of, uh, the, the worship of Carney. A legend tells that in the early 14th century, after the youngest son of the goddess Carney drowned, Carney asked the god of death to mm-hmm. bring her son back to life. 
and the wish was granted with a hitch that all their descendants would thereafter be reincarnated as rats. So people believe that the rats are the reincarnated okay. uh, ancestors of the goddess Carney and her son. Um, and again, watching the video, there's quite a few pigeons th there too, I guess, because uh, people go there to feed them. Um, but the rats are just running around, uh, you know, looking for food. They don't seem to be bothering anybody. So I think most people wouldn't want to go there because yeah. they're terrified of rats. But if you think rats are cool uh, or you want to go place some like, kind of scary, like, yeah, there's a lot of rats. <laughs> Yeah, that one, that one kind of freaks me out a bit. Uh, you know, it's amazing how many of these things there are. So I get like watching this video and, and like they, they put out trays of it looked like donuts. They put like trays of food out. Like people go there to like leave gifts for the rats. And, and that sort of reminds me of a couple of places. One is, uh, the, like the monkey temple in Lopebury, which is that old uh, Kamai temple. Like they have the big monkey festival and they feed all the right, monkeys yeah. in Lopebury. And uh, the other one was the Jumping Cat Temple on Inlay Lake in Myanmar, where the the, the monks there have trained cats to like jump through through hoops. And it's kind of funny that like we don't think of a jumping cat temple or a monkey temple as macabre, but uh, if it's rats, like ooh, now it's suddenly something creepy. Yeah, that that is a bit of a weird thing. And you know, frankly, I do find the monkeys a bit creepy. And during COVID, people might have read that in Lopery, the monkeys were literally taking over shops because there weren't the number of tourists that were there giving food. And there was full on monkey gang fights. They had city gang and temple gang, and they would have big battles, like thousands of monkeys. And I'm scared of monkeys that aren't scared of people. So that actually is a scary place. Yeah. For yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd be more hesitant about going to uh, Lopery with the, with the monkeys having gotten emboldened a bit uh, post COVID. So, yeah, I think that's kind of, uh, I don't know about gory, maybe a little bit gruesome, like uh, scary monkeys and the rats look friendlier than the monkeys do. I think uh, I, I'd be more cool with the rats. Indeed. Well, you know, this has been an interesting little journey. I'm kind of keen to take Justin's Bangkok haunt trip sometime. I think the most chilling that I've experienced, you know, was S21 in the killing fields. I'm quite intrigued by the one that you shared, though, uh, in, in Bali. That sounded pretty funky. Yeah, Bali's got quite a few interesting spots. And, uh, you know, when I was thinking about it, too, there was some other place I went, and I can't recall where it was, where they used to, uh, there's places where they inter bodies in, like, the sides of caves, like in, in cliff walls and caves. Maybe that was in Sumatra. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, another okay. another place that would be interesting to talk about sometime is up in, uh, in the northeast of Cambodia, up in Ratnakiri province. Like, they have some pretty cool cemeteries there where they build, like, totems uh, of, like, monkeys, and there's, like, men holding, like, AK-47 rifles to, to stand guard over, like, the graves of, of these, uh, hmm. the Benang people who, who's... Uh, who are who are buried there and those are really interesting fascinating sites because you like they're not meant to be visited again by the, the by the relatives they they have a ceremony and they do this party out there and they they build these sculptures for the people whose graves are there but then they never return because they want the ghosts to to be at peace um so it's kind of creepy to visit uh you know cemeteries and and grave sites and and other haunted uh, locations 
Yeah, indeed. And I think we'll probably, you know, maybe later this year do a second part of this because I'd read up on quite a few interesting ones in Malaysia, Philippines. Uh, Taiwan has some spooky sites, apparently, from when the Japanese occupied that. And there was some in Central Asia. So, yeah, we'll probably do a part two of this. Certainly some, if you have that kind of inkling when you're traveling, some interesting and spooky places to go. Remember, if you like what we're doing, you like the show, become a patron, please click donate. Get those bonus episodes or videos between each of these shows thanks again to wiley d and sean for your support trevor uh take us out of this spooky thing yeah thanks everybody for visiting uh listening (laughs) thanks scott for joining me again Uh, that was a pretty fun episode we'll be back in two weeks again uh with a guest to share some insight on uh something else about uh, travel in asia so thanks everybody we'll be back in two weeks Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Cambodia?